Welcome to a new episode of the Bee Podcast. Today with me all the way from Australia, Marie Claire. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, thank you. It's great to be here. Um, lovely being with you, actually, and congratulations on your book, uh, Trusted to Thrive, How Leaders Create Connected and Accountable Teams. Um, great book. I start skimming through it. I haven't finished it yet, but it's in my summer reads. Um, but my clear, like my first question before we go and talk about more about trust teams, leadership and all of that, I'm curious, mm -hmm. like, what's the story behind the book? Oh gosh. Uh, that's a good question. So I have been doing this work for some years and particularly what I found, it's a COVID, it was written during kind of the lockdown. Um, I'm, in, I'm in Melbourne, so we had a lot of lockdowns. Uh, so it was a good opportunity to get all my stuff together that I've been working on for years. And I found that particularly with COVID and during the pandemic that employees were wanting a different type of leader. And they really wanted a leader that cares about them and is supportive because, you know, so many people were in fear and anxious about the future and what was going on. And so a lot of leaders and companies were coming to me with ideas on what to do. So I decided it was probably a good time to put all that into a book uh, to help all the leaders out there that really want to create those Nice, productive and healthy team cultures. I like one piece um, that caught my attention. For, like first time I skimmed through the book, um, we have on one hand a great resignation, things that, you know, we've heard a lot in the last few months or so. But and then you called it, it's time for imagination. And what, and what I'm thinking, are we actually asking the right questions? Yeah, well, the, the thing with human beings is that we tend to go to the negative. So there's this great quote, and I can't remember who it's by, but it's by a neuroscientist who said that we, you know, positive compliments are like Teflon, but negative comments are like um, Velcro. And it's the same like, you know, people see employees leaving and they start freaking out. But it's not. It's really a really wonderful opportunity to really rethink. Well, what sort of culture do we want? What sort of employees do we want to attract? And looking at it differently, because how we work has changed, of course, over the last couple of years, and what people want from work has changed. People want more meaning in their work, and so it's really a wonderful time to really rethink. The culture and you know thinking you know questions such as what do we need to do to optimize our culture so that our people want to stay because they're thriving you know people will stay at a company if they have learning opportunities if they have a great boss uh, if they're paid a good rate but it's not always about money but as long as you know <laughs> they've got great friends and they they feel like they're learning and achieving then you know people will stay but we often you know a lot of people worry about oh my gosh people are leaving what can we do to stop people leaving but they should be thinking more in the lines of well this is a great opportunity to reimagine our workplace and who we are and what we do for our customers and, you know, asking questions, you know, what do we want in this employee-employer relationship? What's really going to work for us? Um, and, and even questions you know, such um, as what behaviours or interactions do we need for customer success? Sorry, go ahead. 
Yeah, you know, what, a few days back, um, there's um, a survey was done, one of the biggest, you know, um, uh, um, how called survey companies in Poland. And it wasn't related to all of the great resignations, but they were asking questions like why people want to change career to IT. And the results came out, and I'm, I'm reading now some of the top three reasons why people want to change their career to an IT career. 79% say good salaries, 65% say to work remotely, and 60% for career development. Mm. So to me, that's kind of anchor, actually. If you, you take that, the same reasons anyone would have changed career or resign or um, hate a job is a that's because there's a financial part of it we we need all to get paid we've got bills to take care of that's not questions about it and number two working remotely means flexibility it's just as simple as that it's meaning having flexible work environment just work environment that, that help people enable people to deliver and do their job and the third as you said is the opportunity to develop right so mm. it's it's i think those are the three main main reasons and you know working remotely now going back to your point is how we can make work enjoyable and fun it's not only about just doing a job otherwise yeah exactly what's the purpose right? um, it's about really thinking about you know what are our innate talents um how can we support people to do work they love to do uh and and you know even getting people to think about what they like I was doing a workshop with a leadership team last week and I did some research with their employees and that there and I did work research with the leadership team and it was interesting it came up as they're not having fun but what was interesting was that they were actually having big fun events so there were drinks at the end of the week they'd have a breakfast every quarter they'd do a big day of fun every year although that had stopped because of COVID, but they had all these big things, but it was actually people really weren't looking at just doing fun in their everyday job and thinking about, well, what brings you joy? You know, what brings them joy in their job? And, and it really is important for all of us to actually think about, well, what actually do we find enjoyable? And sometimes it could be as simple as, you know, having things around you in your desk space or, that, you know, make you happy or you, you know, someone told me that they, they like to just have the ability to get up um, every half an hour and chat to a colleague down the hall. You know, that sorts of things are really important, but we, we don't think about that. We kind of think of fun as being like a big event, whereas we should be looking at how we can implement that fun and joy in our day-to-day behaviours and interactions. Right, right. So trust, you big and trust, you talk a lot, trust is kind of a great enabler to businesses, individuals to thrive. And, and, and uh, so what that means in, in, in a workplace? Yeah, well, the best definition that I've come up with so far is that it's the ability for everyone in an organisation to confidently rely on and predict that others will make good on their promises and do the right thing. So if you think when we're in a low risk situation, trust isn't an issue. It's once we move into high risk when there's some sort of change. So a new CEO, a new team, new strategy, then people start to wonder, you know, to actually, they go into fear, you know, am I safe? But this is all happening subconsciously. So 
it's really important that a leader understands that trust really has to be the heart of a team. And, you know, teams that are really successful always have trust at the centre of what they do. And how to how that is important you talk a lot you talk in your books like you, you brought some some example i think and on how that's a great enabler which is which is out of out of measure right no one's measuring how trust it is right so i wonder is like do you have a a good practical examples whereas you came into organizations and trust being identified as a problem and then once fixed that things went better in every sense of it yeah, well, usually you'll find any decent employee engagement survey hits on trust at some level. Uh, but what you'll find is that you get some sort of toxic culture. So, you know, some of the typical signs that trust is an issue is that people aren't speaking up about problems. So people are, you know, holding back. Uh, you know, uh, high turnover is often an issue and leaders that micromanage, slow decision-making is usually a really good sign of trust issues as well. And when I say trust issues, you know, they can be in various levels. So they could be with the leadership team and that has a flow-on effect to everyone down to the front line because everyone's watching that leadership team to see if they're modelling the right behaviours and if they're seeing that they're not even working together well, then employees will kind of go in alliance with their, their team or their boss or department and also not work with other teams. So there's lots of different factors. Trust is such a big topic. It's very hard. I would never say, look, just do one kind of um, index, uh, one question for it and see what the result is because What's really interesting with trust is that it's different for every person and it's in the minds of individuals. You know, with psychological safety, for example, people can tell quite accurately the safety in a team or in a culture, but trust has so many divergent opinions that you have to break it down. And there's so many, uh, well, I have six trust drivers that I look at, but there's, you know, so many nuances that need to be taken into account. And what is it, what these six... Um, uh... Yeah, well, this is one that I do. I have a, a, a framework that I use called Succeed Together. Uh, and so it's the level of support that, of a leader, uh, how unite. Then the second one is united to solve customer problems. You'll often find a lot of issues, particularly leadership teams or any team, if people have different ideas on how the customer is going to be served or what would benefit the customer, or that might not be clear, or the vision's not clear. Uh, then the next one's clarity of thinking or communication. You know, communication is an enabler of trust. So if communication is um, unclear or expectations are non-existent or roles people don't know or, you know, what their role is, uh, or there's no real thinking behind the communication, uh, that can really impact trust because it's really interesting when people feel like an organization is hiding information, then they go and, you know, they come up with all sorts of possibilities and neg negative assumptions that can really um, cause a lot of issues. Uh, then the next one's candor, which goes back to that part I was saying before about the importance of speaking up. Uh, but it's amazing how as human beings, we are always quite worried about saying the wrong thing or, 
uh, you know, doing the wrong thing and, you know, potentially can lose our jobs or people don't like it. And then the next one is empowered to evolve. So looking at, you know, if people feel like they're having learning opportunities, as I was saying before, and is there team learning? Are people being challenged? Are they learning and growing? Really important for trust. And then dependability, which is really at the heart of trust, and that is, you know, can people rely on each other? Uh, it's, which is taps into that definition I gave you before, because if you can't rely on your boss to be there for you or to answer questions, then you, you retreat and you, you go into your little shell because you're concerned that, you know, it's not safe. Interesting. And, you know, funny, now I'm thinking every, every one of them, I almost be sure and certain all of the ones that I worked with, they tick all of these boxes. Meaning is like they they, have, they don't fulfill all of these requirements to have a trust um, culture within the organizations. And I wonder how we can fix it, how we can fix a, a, a problem of trust within an organizations, how we foster a, a trust um, culture in organizations, or maybe what are the great three enablers for us in the way to have a good trust culture? Yeah, good question. So... Really, it always has to start from the top. So a lot of my work, I work, I start with leadership teams and build trust with them because if they don't trust one another, um, it really does ruin the credibility of the team because people think, well, they don't trust each other. Um, we, we don't know where we're going or if we, we can trust this company to, you know, take us to the future. Um, and so, which takes me to my next point, which is that the brain, it's really interesting. So according to neuroscience studies, the, the brain is constantly scanning the environment to see if we're safe. And our brains are subconsciously asking questions without us realising it. And they're, on the, they're really around three subjects. So the first one is around safety. So am I, uh, you know, is it okay if I take risks? If I say the wrong thing, will people still support me? And, you know, if I wear different clothes or uh, have a, fun, a different hairstyle, will people still like me? These are really important <laughs> for us. And then the one to do with is the next one is around connection. So this is do I belong here? Do people value the work that I do? Is the work that I'm doing meaningful? Um, is the, uh, do customers appreciate what I do? And then the third bit is around future. Future is very important for us. And that's in terms of, is there a future for this company? Are the leaders making the right decisions? Are we going to make it? It's still going to be around in a couple of years while I still have a job. And then people also think, in what I found in my research is, well, what's my career development? Do I have an opportunity for a promotion? Um, that's really important. I was... Um, doing some work with a company that's in the pharmaceutical industry and they're scientists that come in and, you know, they, they constantly need funding. And if they don't have funding, there's no more work and they, they lose their job. So they really worry about the future. So when you, as a leader, communicate that both verbally and non-verbally to people, then they trust the situation and know that everything's going to be okay. And then they, they feel confident to put their full contribution uh, and commitment into their work. Brilliant. Um, 
No, what I think of when you started by saying is it starts at the top and leaders trusting each other and that trust translates to consistent communications to everyone in organizations being clear where we are, what we're doing and how we're doing it. And and you, you can't basically over communicate. In the meantime, so we, we, we now trust our people, but how we could balance that with accountability? And especially right now when we have a, a a remote working environment becoming the norm. I don't think anyone would go 100% anymore to office. Yeah, well, accountability is really important, of course. And what's interesting about it is that it's two-way. So it's, in fact, anything to do with trust is two-way. It's not just the leaders being trustworthy. Employees have to be as well. And what really... Um, comes within that is that both people have, both parties have to be accountable. So a leader has to be accountable for results and getting things done. And through modeling that behavior, then employees are more likely to be accountable. You know, no one's going to be accountable if they see their boss not meeting deadlines and doing good quality work. But accountability really is, again, to do with communication. And it's a leader being clear on what needs to be done, what expectations they have, the, the quality standards that they're looking for, and holding people to that. And, you know, I do a lot of, as I said before, I do a lot of research in companies and a lot of people will complain to me that, you know, other people in their team aren't accountable. And when a leader ignores other people not delivering on time or, you know, inter you know, not being a very nice person and not doing anything about it, it actually gives that team <laughs> license to underperform and people won't trust the leader. You know, people want um, accountability and, and they want the leader to be really clear about that because, you know, if you, you're a high performer and you're in a team um, with people that just can't be bothered because the leader's not holding people accountable, it's, it's just horrible. You want to leave. I agree. Um like to me, accountability has been always, uh, personally talking, has been always done, um, done not told because it's been seen not, not, be, not, not like an imagination. It's like accountability. If I see my, my, my leader doing certain things, to me, he set an example of bar of expectation, untold expectation. So for you as a subordinate, you will do, you should do exactly the same things, if not better, because that sets the benchmark of, of how the behavior should look like within an organization. Yeah. And you now visibility is very important. Um, I, I actually, in my book, I unpack what I call the integrated trust building model. And it has, if you imagine a Venn diagram with three circles. So there's safety, connection, and future. And then in the intersections between uh, connection and future, there's visibility. And then in the intersection between future and safety, there's accountability. And then the other one at the top between safety and connection is a meetings and one-on-ones, which is where we do the interactions to ensure people are doing everything. So Visibility, like it's really interesting because, you know, I do a lot of research <laughs> and I find in a lot of the companies that I work with, you know, one of the biggest complaints that people have about leaders is not being visible enough. And, you know, again, it's two ways. 
employees have to be visible that they're doing the work and meeting their KPIs and goals and getting things done well, because otherwise their team members won't trust them. But leaders also have to be visible. And sometimes, particularly for executives, sometimes it's just going out to the front line and seeing how they work. You know, when employees are told they have to do things or a policy has changed, but no one's actually watched how they work or some of the things that they're coming up against, they get a bit upset that uh, they have to change how they're working uh, when no one's actually looked at what they're doing or, you know, haven't felt their experience. Now, I wonder, my Claire, is like, okay, what's the, what are, and I've seen actually surveys um, that one, okay, fun, funny story again. So all of the questionnaires and surveys, I've worked um, last year within two, comp- two companies within one year and the questionnaires of the employee surveys were exactly the same. So it's everyone's using exactly the same set of questions. I, I got the impression at least. And it's surprising to me that the top three problems or challenges um, organization, at least in the ones that I worked for in here in Poland, it was a leadership visibility. People say mm-hmm. that our leaders are not visible. And now I wonder from your perspective, what are the critical enablers to enhancing leadership visibility? What are the top three things leaders that to do tomorrow if they see leadership visibility as a top one challenge? Yeah, well, I actually have six, if that's okay with me sharing with you. Yeah, go ahead. Um, All of them. Yeah. <laughs> so the first one is a visibility of information. So just sharing everything, you know, in your team, what's going on. Um, because, you know, as I said before, if people don't know what's going on, they start assuming the worst. So, you know, it's about, you know, making a, a, a general rule to be as transparent as possible so that people know the right context and what's going on. Then there's visibility around decision making. And this is one of the ones I found really fascinating. But uh, in my mind, transparency around any sort of decisions is critical for any sort of change. And in, in the research I've done, people just want to know why a decision has been made. And it's really interesting. People love to know uh, even the thoughts and the decision-making process. You know, what, what were they, you know, how did they come to that decision? Uh, people actually like to know that whole process and hear how a leader's thinking. So it then helps them understand how they should be thinking as well. And then there's visibility around priorities and accountabilities, particularly for large organisations with lots of different teams. You know, if you're delivering to another team, but they can't see what you're doing or what other work you've got, but you push back on one of their deadlines because you can't make it because you've got too much on, which is very common, particularly, you know, for those in IT and um, legal departments. Um, You know, showing the work that you've got and your priorities and your accountabilities, then, then they're more likely to trust you that you're actually not just, you know, not doing the work because you can't be bothered, but you've just got so much on is really important. And then there's the leader being visible themselves. So, uh, you know, this can be, you know, doing those meetings and one-on-ones, you know, leaders that don't do regular meetings, you know, employees hate that. They need to have that time. You know, one-on-ones are really important for that as well. Uh, But it also, you know, for really big organisations, leaders, you know, need to at least be doing a, you know, a town hall or or being at events or, or just come down to see employees working, even on the front line. And just asking them questions, people love that. 
Um, and then another one, and this is a surprising one, but I found in my research that people want to see other leaders with other leaders because otherwise if they don't see their bosses talking to one another, they just assume they don't like each other. So <laughs> there was a large organisation I did some work for and people were complaining, well, uh, you know, I never see them talking. I don't, I don't think they like each other. So we, what I then got that organisation to do was when there was an issue, the leader would actually ring or, or make, it, make it visible to their people that they'd contacted them or even just kind of, you know, if it was online, just summarise, look, I had a chat with them on Teams, this is what we discussed and this is what we're going to do going forward. Um, otherwise, I'll just assume that leaders don't like each other, which is kind of fascinating really. And then the sixth one is expecting visibility from employees. So ensuring invisible, you know, employees are visible as well. So whether that's having their cameras on in meetings um, or, you know, having, if you're using some sort of team management project management software, people could see the work that a person <laughs> has actually done. It's really important. It's really interesting. And I think these factors will gain more importance um, with the young generations. It's all about visibility, isn't it? It's about seeing the others, about what they do and what they do even beyond their working day. I think that's kind of becoming an, a new social concept of our working environment. It's not anymore like secretive behind closed doors. Yeah, well, you know, we have had a history, if you, if you look back at how the corporate world has worked, where there is that, you know, decisions are made behind closed doors and all those sorts of things, but, you know, it makes people so fearful, really fearful. They really start exactly. to distrust leaders and what decisions are being made. But, you know, if you can be transparent and just be open and say, this is our thinking on this. We thought about this and we thought about that. But in the end, we've decided that A is the way to go because of this, this and this and B wouldn't work because of this, this and this. You know, people actually love that. I agree. I agree. I've seen that working on the ground and it's just fascinating when leaders come in and say, we're facing, you know, giving a sort of a state of nation and saying, this is what we're hitting at or to. Um, this is what we're facing as challenge. Uh, we have considered, we have asked you for a feedback. We have considered all of the possible scenarios and we've made uh, a decision through that, you know, details of that process. And this is where we think we should be going at and we're looking at all of you to support that process. I think this is very powerful. You got all of the story uh, pieces linked together and everyone is, will, will be accountable for it because if a proposal comes in from the bottom up, most people are going to execute it at the end and they will own it if it was their own, their own proposal in the first yeah. place. And they'll understand it better because they know the context as well. Co context is so important. But what's interesting with what you said is that if leaders are getting feedback and collecting data from their staff and then they do nothing if there's some big complaint, well, then that absolutely creates distrust and, and you know, they might as well have not done it. And it happens. It happens because some of the organisation, they think that the survey of gathering inputs from employees is a space for the employees to deflate and they would just put it in a piece of paper and forget about it and that's mission completed while actually that makes things worse than not doing that survey at all first place yeah um, taking action and really showing that you're there to support employees and you, you're listening listening such so key people just want to be seen to be heard and to be valued so 
you know, they love it. Employees love it when they can see that, you know, people are, you know, leadership are doing whatever they can to make their lives and their work easier. Agree. You're doing um, something called, you know, executive team building. And I wonder if you could tell me a bit about the different stages in that process. And you do it in two different stages. Um, I've got an assessment called Succeed Together. So I... Okay. uh, take team executive teams through that and so one of the important things with an executive team is that they usually believe that they're performing really well you know group think really sets in with a team which is terrible for leadership teams and so it's really important to get the team to start looking at their behaviors and interactions because we don't often do that and so what I do is I, I measure based on the succeed together framework that I ran through with you before is I actually isolate what the CEO or team leader believes with the rest of the team members. And in that process, which is like a facilitated workshop, once we go through the results, you can actually see the difference of what the CEO is thinking and what everyone else is thinking. And sometimes the CEO might be more positive. Or sometimes they might be more negative, but whatever it is, this difference is really important to unpack and talk about, which, you know, most people don't talk about those things um, because they're not even aware of those discrepancies. But through really going through a process to unpack that and identify the issues, then you get much better alignment with leadership teams. So my process is, is doing that and then through the results, like, I can really see where the team needs help and then work on strategies and processes for them around that. Brilliant. Um, so, make clear, is there's a second book in, make, in making? <laughs> uh, well, actually, it would be my third because this one is my second one, weirdly enough. Oh, so it's um, true, actually, yeah. Yeah, the second one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, there is. So, I, I do want to just write a book dedicated for senior leadership teams or executive teams. Um, so that would be my next one. But I think I need a little bit of a break first. <laughs> so do you have a, <laughs> uh, sorry to press on this one, because it's just an um, interesting question here. So do you have like a time horizon when you think that would be the right time for uh, it? Is it like we're looking at? Yeah, next year I'm writing that one. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, so I, I need to I need to book you for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so last question for me is like, what, so you, you have book working on, um, and then if I ask you, it's like, what keeps you going by Claire and accomplishing what you do, um, in your life? Oh, I absolutely love what I do. Uh, and I, I love speaking, I love writing, I love facilitating workshops. I love training, I love developing, uh, models and tools for teams and I love working with leaders because they're smart um, they come up with good questions and ideas and it's I just you know jump out of bed every day just excited to do the work that I'm doing but having said that if if you know I am having an off day and they do happen I do stuff to keep me up so I do a meditation I'm, I'm actually using it and I'm also using this new thing that's quite interesting called positive prime uh, which you know, I didn't know this goes one. through. Yeah, positiveprime.com, really interesting. I do a few minutes of that every day just to keep me upbeat. 
And I exercise as well. And okay, you know, I can listen to podcasts and come up with good ideas as I'm running. So that's fine. That's fantastic. Okay, hopefully we're going to we're gonna meet uh, if, you, if you travel to Europe very soon. Thanks a lot, Mike Claire, and um, I really love talking to you. And I'll, I'll definitely add all of your details. I invite everyone actually to pick your book, um, Trust to, um, Thrive to Trust, Trust to Thrive uh, for their summer book. Um, I think it's, it's just easy read. It's just funny to, an, an easy read. I think it's not too complex for everyone to pick up uh, for their summer reads. So I highly recommend it. I'll add all of these details so everyone to check it out. So thank you, Wonderful. Claire. Thanks, Ben. Really appreciate it. Thank you.